Together we can love our bodies again Here on the gray scale Hi! Hi! I'm Chrissy And I'm Sierra And this is the Grayscale Podcast We have a super exciting guest this week who we will introduce in just a minute But first, just a few reminders We want to remind everybody that if you or someone you know is interested in coming on to the show, please DM us on our Instagram page at the grayscale underscore body or send us an email at the grayscale dot body at gmail.com. Or if you have a question that you want addressed, definitely feel free to reach out. Um, We want this to be a collaborative um, experience. So we want to make sure we hear from you guys. Um, and now we would like to introduce our guests this week. This is Sierra's grandma, Panina Tobin. Hi, Nana. <laughs> Hi, Sierra. Hi, Chrissy. Yeah, my name is Panina Tobin, and uh, I was born a long time ago in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I have a different perspective, but it's, it sounds very much pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, to what I understand uh, people are going through now, women especially. Yeah. I was born in the Bronx, (coughs) excuse me, and and lived there until I was ready for college and then then I went to Michigan. Um, But I have a lot of things that happened to me when I was in the Bronx. And I don't know if you want me to start right now with that or... Well, well, we'll get into your questions in just a minute, but why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do um, for a living? Okay. Yeah. So I am um, a certified life coach and I work specifically right now with people who are divorcing or divorced and they're going through court and I help them with their parenting skills and I write letters of recommendations so that they can have more custody time with their kids if they pass the test. It's not a big test. It's just <laughs> them in their homes and things like that. But I, I really like my work. <clears throat> and, um, what else? Um, I don't know. I do, <laughs> I do improv theater. And uh, now, of course, we do it on Zoom. <laughs> storytelling and I sing in a, a labor course so those are the things I do in an extracurricular kind of way. yeah amazing um so I guess we'll hop right into some questions yeah, absolutely so our first question for you is did you have rules that your parents enforced about food or eating as a kid yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well it's very hard to understand that my father actually was into health food in the 40s and 50s. <laughs> and nobody in the Bronx was into health food then. <laughs> he went to the one health food store there was in the Bronx and, and brought us home all this healthy food and very much separated junk into healthy food. And except for what he brought into the house, we were not to have sugar or candy or anything else. He had some special things like honey drops. And to this day, I don't like honey because of that. (laughs) (laughs) That was our sweet treat. Sometimes we had some special chocolate that wasn't too bad. But anyway, the point is that there was 
there was good food and there was junk mm. and we were made to feel bad my sister and i my sister really oh well especially her because she was littler um and we used to sneak out to the candy store <laughs> and we binged on candy and we had bad teeth um because <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yes, that was that. And then with my mother, um, she was always on a diet and um, just about every day. She had four sisters and one mother that she talked to just about every day about the latest diets. Yeah. And my sister and I would sneak on to the um, extension. They had phone extensions then. And <laughs> listen in <laughs> and kind of giggle, you know, in the background. But then suddenly realized it wasn't funny. Mm. So, and, and then, I mean, there were just so many messages that you're not okay unless you're skinny. And luckily we were skinny, my sister and I, um, until we got older and, uh, you know, maybe junior high or high school, I started to feel like, not that I was fat, but that I had a stomach. I had mm. a belly and started dieting. <clears throat> Meantime, my mother wore a girdle Oh, wow. <laughs> Every day. And, and guess who had to put it on her? I mean, you know, zip it up. And yeah. I did. And that was, <laughs> you know, and then when I got to high school, she said, you know, a real lady wears a girdle every day. And I was pretty skinny still, mm -hmm. although I thought I wasn't. But um, so I had to wear a girdle every day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable and stockings with uh, what do you call them things that I don't think you know what those are. <laughs> uh, things that hang down from the girdle. Yeah. Just, yes. Yeah. Keep the stockings up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what they were called. But anyway, so that was <laughs> my life around food um, very much. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, that's, I, I think that. And high school, uh, up through high school. And then I left and went to college um, yeah. pretty early. So I went to Michigan, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because, you know, Chrissy and I have both talked so much together and also already on this show about how we have definitely had a lot of rules around food too. Um, and it's so, it's so interesting that it, it's always the sugar. It's like always sugar or carbs that I feel like people tend to fixate on. And, and that was another one for me too, that like, and I think I've already talked about this, but my mom, you know, when I was in high school was, was trying to tell me that I was addicted to sugar. And, you know, that my body was overrun with candida and that I had to, you know, I, I had to not eat sugar for six months at least so that the, the candida could die out so that I could have a normal, you know, I could have a normal reaction to the food. And it just, it's so interesting because I think all of that is coming from a place of fearing fat and like, fearing being fat yeah and i just remembered another high school thing too yeah so thank you for bringing bringing that up <laughs> um yeah so i had two close friends in high school and we didn't date and we didn't go to the prom and all of that stuff we were eggheads 
I don't know if you remember <laughs> that expression, but anyway, <laughs> studied a lot and, you know, we just didn't date or anything. And um, my fr one friend was a model and um, a dancer and a cheerleader. Mm, wow. Beautiful, beautiful girl. And she, um, her mother put her on a diet because of the modeling. Mm. And she hated her body. And when I went to her house, that's what we did. We ate diet food and we ate a lot of pickles because pickles only <laughs> work calories. I still remember that to this day. And the other friend was skinny. Ah. And so we never talked about or dealt with, I mean, I ate spaghetti at her house with right. ketchup or something, whatever. <laughs> okay. So that, that I just really wanted to add that in because yeah. it, it was very formative. And that's really when I heavily started dieting. Mm, was it high school? Yeah. 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 I feel like for similarly, I had a lot of really thin friends in high school and they would talk so negatively about their bodies and they would go on mm. these diets and it just made me as someone who was bigger than them feel like I also needed to do it. And I, and it made me feel worse about myself hearing how they spoke about their bodies. Mm. Um, and it really, it was similarly like very formative of like, I have to try these things. Like I remember when I um, was, it was either late middle school or early high school. There was a trend, similarly what you said before, Sierra, about the lemonade mm -hmm. cleanse or fast mm -hmm. or something. It was a similar drink concoction that people would make and they're like if you just drink this for the full week you lose like 10 pounds right but meanwhile you're not eating or you're not eating <laughs> right um and I remember always really wanting to try it but I I knew I wouldn't get away with it because as much as I felt pressure from my family to be thin and um in healthy in mm -hmm. air quotes. Um, I also felt that they would be very scared if they saw me just completely not not eat, which right. is a good thing. Yeah. But but I always felt like, why can't I do that? Like that would be the the, the save all the the fix all right for my problems. Right. You know what? I just thought of this other thing too. I had a friend um a long time ago, I mean, she and I are still friends, but we don't, we're, we don't keep in touch a ton. But um, I remember we were on the phone once and she was telling me that her mom had put her and her sister on this diet and, and like she was on it too, but they weren't allowed to eat carbs after six o'clock. Wow. And it was so mind blowing to me because and it, and it was just so fascinating because it was coming from their mom, like it, and, and it was like a rule that was put in place by their mom that they had to then follow. And they, all three of them were doing it. And, and it just, and I, like, I just remember talking to her and she didn't want to be doing it, you know, and that was so fascinating to me. And I think, I think that so many people have had rules put in place by their own family members, um, you know, in terms of what they're allowed to eat and when they're allowed to eat and, and things like that, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, why don't we, why don't we move on to this next one? Um, because you've already touched on this a little bit, um, but how did parents or guardians talk about their bodies in front of you? And I know you already touched on that a little bit, but do you have yeah. to say? Uh, yeah, well, um, it was sort of constant with between mm -hmm. the phone calls and, um, oh, well, all my cousins were fat. So whenever mm -hmm. we had family gatherings, um, well, first of all, my sister and I, we couldn't get the food because everybody was grabbing food and everybody was making comments about how the, the fat kids were getting the food away from the skinny ones. It was, mm. it was constant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I felt lucky because uh, my mother gave us halva, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, pretty sweet treat after school because she had it. Right. She talked about being a skinny kid and then now being on a diet forever. She talked about it a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. And who was, you know, who was fat and who was not, and who was, you know, my other aunts and uncles. And anyway, they were all fat and, um, and we weren't. And so we felt a little bit excluded. On the other hand, it was for a good reason. Yeah, quote unquote, good reason, yeah. Well, and your mom being a, a dressmaker too must have had like so much, um, so much influence from this, you know, like the fashion world too. Oh yeah, she was very fashionable and even made hats for herself. Yeah. And criticized her body because she couldn't make, you know, thin things. And she always talked about that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but she used to make a lot of my clothes and I didn't like it at all because I had to stand still and she would make comments about mm. what didn't fit or you know she was gonna have to change the pattern um mm. because of that and um you know that really didn't help <laughs> yeah although she was very positive about me in so many ways yeah um and I wasn't fat I did have a stomach always all my life right I mean, I think, I think that that's something that definitely runs in our family because yeah. <laughs> that, that has definitely been my, yeah. my, I think growing up, my biggest insecurity was my stomach too. And I know that's something that my mom talked a lot about also. Um, and, and then also like, I, I, I feel like I got a lot of comments about how I wouldn't be able to be an ingenue if I had a tummy. Oh, you know, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't be an ingenue and my mom fought so hard for me to be the ingenue. She always wanted me to be the lead, which is like, you know, classic stage mom, but, but she like would get more upset when I wouldn't get cast than I did. <laughs> like, yeah, she, you know, and, and she was so, I think it was, very based in her fear of my being, you know, in her eyes too, quote unquote, too big to play the, the pretty love interest, you know, and, and, and I don't think that that's like an idea she made up. I think that that's an idea that has been talked about in the theater community and, and in Hollywood for like ever, <laughs> but it definitely, yeah, definitely has an impact for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We're all influenced by Hollywood and in general, 
yeah for women mm-hmm. is that you know you're thin and pretty i remember hearing an expression you can't be too rich or too thin and then we had twiggy who um she died from um not eating did she i do not know but i mean i know she was like such a milestone and like and changed the path of like the model yeah i mean she was totally an icon Mm -hmm. Um, but well, great. We'll we'll move on to the next question. Um, and when did you do, when did you start to accept your fatness um, slash fat people and start rejecting diet culture? <laughs> well, um, it was I was still living in LA. I lived in um, after Michigan, LA, and then moved to the Bay Area, San Francisco, and Berkeley. Um, and so I was still in LA, so I was in my 30s. And um, I, I've had some friends who started talking about the fat liberation or fat underground. Mm. And before that, I mean, I would see fat people and I would do what everybody else did, laugh. Mm. And I kind of giggled at my cousins too, all that mm. stuff. But I, I didn't let them know. I, I mean, I, I liked my cousins, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like what they did. Right. Sometimes. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so there I was in my 30s. I had two young children, and um, we were living in Venice, California. And I started going to these meetings. They called themselves the Fat Underground. And there were these women who started fat liberation in LA. And they wrote a a manifesto about Mm -hmm. uh, what it means to be subject to uh, women's culture and how women are supposed to be pretty and thin so you can catch a good husband and all around that. (laughs) It was very feminist at the time because feminism was just, had just kind of gotten gotten started. So um, in any case, uh, the, the end of the manifesto says, fat people of the world unite, you have nothing to lose. Mm. <laughs> that was the, the watchword. And there were demonstrations and, you know, they made a big fuss when, uh, what was her name? Mama Cass died. Mm. And um, so there was a demonstration about, you know, she didn't die because she was fat. Basically, and and then I learned all kinds of things in this fat liberation group, you know, and got to meet these women who were wonderful and really mad and really Mm -hmm. how they were treated. They couldn't get jobs. Nobody could be a secretary or at the front desk. That kind of stuff. Right. Just couldn't. Um, And you know, a lot of them were poor. Uh, you know for that reason and and a lot of other things Um, but they got together with doctors and doctors would go around speaking with them and and talk about the realities that 99% of the time when you diet um, you go back to the same weight anyway right yeah so I learned all kinds of stuff from this group so I stopped dieting 
what the heck, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, I started really liking my body more. Yeah. You know? And everybody seemed to be fine with my body, you know? So I felt like, again, like one of my cousins, mm. <laughs> you know, some of the women were bigger right. and, and accepted me, but they accepted me. That was the difference. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, let me ask this too, because, you know, I, I definitely, I was really excited to hear about the fat underground and you've definitely touched on that a little bit, but, um, when did you start identifying as fat? Uh, <clears throat> well, I turned, uh, I started to weigh 200 pounds. Mm that's when and there was um they had all kinds of activities for fat women and there was a swim that once a month there was a swimming pool that would open itself up only to the fat women that mm. rented it for that time and you had to weigh at least 200 pounds and not be able to buy clothes in the store wow and so i could not join the fat swim, but I did go as a friend of a friend mm. because I could buy clothes in the store still. Mm. But so anyway, that's kind of was the turning point. And I felt like I was fat and they, they had all kinds of things like dances and I would go to the dances, but that one thing, the swim, Interesting. <laughs> it was, that was, and I can understand, you know, when you first start something, you want to have just the people around you that like you are, identify with. Yeah. That, yeah. Like when I got into Jewish feminism, I mean, you know, I just yeah have some time when I was, you know, a separatist around yeah. that. But I, but very rarely. But I could understand it anyway that mm. they didn't want to have people who weighed 190 pounds and could shop in the store or whatever. So, mm -hmm. but I, I knew then that I was considered fat because, you know, you read all the metropolitan life charts and it says your, your weight and your height and, you yeah. know, yeah. and that's well, what I you're supposed to be or you're going to die early or something. Right. And I, I got really upset about the whole fat and health thing mm -hmm. because my father was so into health. Right. You know, I, I'm sure that was a big part of, I had to exercise. Like, <laughs> exercise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, sleep right and eat right. Those were the big things in moderation. You do everything in moderation. Um, but I, I did start identifying as fat and People could take it or leave it. Yeah. That's how I felt. But I had support. Yeah. And was that, like, you identifying as fat, was that, like, in your mind, was that a positive thing or a negative thing? At the time, it was very positive. Good. I had <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. A port system, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's negative now. But I don't, I don't think that much about, you know, the things you do when you're 30. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not affecting my work, my relationships, nothing. Right. Really being affected. And I, I always knew that I wasn't 
really, really fat. Mm. I got mad at people using the word obese and death and, you know. Right. And people, oh, women were getting their stomachs stapled. Ooh. Oh, yeah. They still do. That sounds so painful. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> horrific. And a really good friend of mine actually had a bad, you know, it didn't work. It had uh. a reaction to it. So she could barely eat anything. So she oh, had a very, very negative. It's like, you're not okay the way you are. Mm. So change and less of you is better. Mm. You imagine knowing that inside that people are thinking, I wish she were just a little smaller. Mm. Or he has just such a pretty face. That's the other thing that used to be happening in the fifties or so. And also beyond. Yeah, I've definitely heard that for myself before, like people saying, well, you have such a pretty face. Yeah. And I'm like, well, thank you. Um, and, and I mean, at the time, I mean, it, it is such a backhanded comment being like, um, it's the opposite of the, the modern day butter face. Right, right. It's like, it's, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's like, at least you're pretty, at least you have a pretty face. face. But like everything else is less than desirable. Right. Yeah. And, and it's just so, it's so, it's so disappointing that like, and I think that's something that I have really struggled with too, because one of my, part of my body positive journey more recently has been like, I was accepting myself, but I assumed that other people didn't accept me, like, especially you know, like romantic interests or, or, you know, men specifically, because I think for a long time, I was perpetuating my own beliefs about myself by kind of going after men that were super shallow and only wanted to date super skinny girls because, because there are men out there that feel that way. Absolutely. And, but there are also so many more men that don't feel that way, you know, and, and, and I just think it was such an interesting thing for me in the last few years, even really before I met my boyfriend that I'm with now, I, I was so convinced that like, even though I accepted my body and I liked the way I looked, men were never going to find me attractive. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, walk into a bar with a friend of mine who was thinner than me and be like, well, no one's looking at me because everybody's looking at her. Yeah. I still am in that a lot of the time. It's hard. It's really hard. And it's, it's crazy because it's partially true, but it's also partially not true. You well, know, it, you're setting yourself up for failure. If, if right. your goal in that experience is to, to talk to someone or meet someone already going in with the loser mentality of I'm not good enough, or this other person is better than me. I, I mean, you're not gonna be able to put your best foot forward in any of that situation. Right. Right. And, and for you, what was that like? Like when you were, you know, before you met your partner, you know, what was that like for you in terms of meeting people and how people were perceiving you? Oh, and the women's movement, you know, the, um, the thing that started in LA took off all over the country. And 
when I moved to the San Francisco area, I was welcomed. It had nothing to do with my size. I was, um, I had a lot of points, <laughs> a lot of good, um, attractive qualities. And so mm -hmm. I felt comfortable for the first time because, and I don't think boys were not interested in me because of fat. Mm. As I said, it wasn't that obvious, except everybody dieted. Right, but right. I didn't date because I actually probably sent out the message that I was more interested in girls. Right. But I didn't, wasn't conscious at that point. Mm -hmm. But I think I, and I never talked to boys. And so it had, I don't think it was related to fat. Mm. Yeah, but I think I'm being, comfortable with big women. Yeah, people in general. Yeah, Go ahead. I think, I think looking back for me now, it was really more that because I was outspoken and confident <laughs> that like I was intimidating, especially for a lot of people my age. <laughs> um, and I always thought that was funny. People, so many people in my life have told me that they were intimidated by me. And I always think it's so funny because I'm like, why? I'm like five foot three. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm incredibly approachable. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm nice, <laughs> but you know, I, I do think that as a woman, when you have a, you know, a big personality or you have a lot of opinions or you have, um, you know, a lot to say about anything. I think that there, there are a lot of people and, and the world sort of sees you as too much or too, too big, or you're taking up too much space. And that is inherently unattractive. But I think that the, and, and I think that that lends itself to so much to, you know, fat being unattractive. But I think, I think that it's actually really backwards. <laughs> and I mean, what well, I mean, I, I think that like to an extent, there's some truth in that, but it's because it's a social construct, right? I mean, I think, I oh, think that the, yeah. 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 I agree with that. And I, I also didn't mention that, um, <laughs> I had hippie hair, mm. I had a Jufro um, during hippie days, and it was red auburn out to here. And of course, you know, even before that, you had to be a blonde or brunette like Marilyn Monroe mm -hmm. or Jane Russell. Otherwise, you weren't considered beautiful. If you had red hair, forget it. <laughs> Freckles, you give, you know, there were a lot of things mm -hmm. that were not considered beautiful in the 50s and 60s, even. Right. And um, it was a real treat just to let my hair go, not straighten it, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, during my teenage years, a lot of girls, and later, a lot of girls were getting their noses fixed, Jewish, mm. um, because it was considered ugly. Mm. Luckily, in my family, we didn't, my sister and I were okay. We, we didn't have to consider that, but I just felt so bad. Mm that, it, you know, people hated themselves because of their Jewish nose. Right. On and on. I mean, there's so many reasons. But yeah. anyway, that's that's my experience. Was... 
Okay, so we're going to move on to this next question here. And um, so as a mother, how did you respond to your daughter having an eating disorder or finding out that she had an eating disorder? I got to tell you, I was floored. I was surprised. It was a new thing. It uh, wasn't talked about. And um, what happened is she had already told her brother, she told me later, mm. um, but she was selling candy with a friend, putting it in machines for a job and they would eat a lot of the candy. She told mm. me about that. So she told me about the binging part. And then um, finally she was reading 16 magazine. I think it was Mia Farrow, mm. Alan's daughter talked about being bulimic and that's what got her to realize that she was and I was floored because I was supposed to be a parent educator and <laughs> I yeah. thought I had seen everything and I hadn't seen everything and um, I just had to search around for somebody who was even addressing the issue finally found somebody mm. in northern California where we were living then where we are. <laughs> um, and, and we did some family therapy and I was really happy to have that. Um, and very soon after that, we connected with somebody who was doing groups for girls mm. with the same issues. And it was finally out of the closet. Um, the thing I loved about the family therapy was loved. I don't know if you love family therapy, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, was that it wasn't like my daughter was the one with the problem and we were coming in because of her. Mm. We just talked about our family dynamics, mm. you know, from way back from before the divorce. Mm. And it was so, so good for, I think, for all of us. Um, so I relaxed a lot about, mm. about it, but it was still very, very hard to see yeah. her in such pain, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we had a, a, a Jewish feminist conference right around that time, a little after. And um, I wrote a piece about how I, I felt torn from my, you know, fat underground friends and then my daughter. And I read it and she came to the workshop where I read it. And then at the end of the workshop, I always want to cry. <laughs> she came up and hugged me yeah you know because I said I felt so caught in the middle I want to support everybody right you know it's like anyway she appreciated it and, and um was very public about it and that was yeah so it was it was a hard road mm -hmm. yeah well and, and I, mean, I think yeah. I think one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you about this specifically is because, you know, I think there was a lot of stuff going on with me that she didn't know about either that I, that I didn't share with her until a lot later. Um, and, you know, as somebody who's not a mom yet, <laughs> I think it's sometimes it's, it's hard for us to conceptualize, um, what it what that really means like what it means to be a mom and have a child with an eating disorder whether you know or, or to be a parent 
and have a child with an eating disorder, whether or not, you know, it's male, female, you know, whatever gender identifying child you have. <laughs> Um, but I think, I think the thing that is so shocking is that so many people, if not pretty much everybody has an issue with this to an extent, whether it's, it's, you know, manifesting itself in disordered eating habits or not. Um, I think that, you know, we all have these issues and it's sometimes so, it's so hard for us to talk to our parents about it or our guardians about it or our mentors about it because there's an element of, of not wanting you to feel or the parent or the guardian to feel responsible. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, and that's something I've talked to so many people about that are, that don't feel comfortable sharing that information with their parents because they don't know how they're going to react, you know? And I think, I think it's really important and inspiring to hear from, from a mom, you know, what your response was, because I, I know that your response was incredibly positive and incredibly supportive. And I think that that it just sets a really nice example for, you know, how that scenario can go. Yeah. I remember when I was in high school, um, there was a period of time where I was just deeply, deeply depressed and it just manifested itself in a way um, where I was like acting out in, in a class, not even acting out. I like, didn't write a paper and I like, plagiarized it, which is so bad, no one do that. <laughs> um, and I was really close with the teacher, she was, um, a one of the uh coaches on a, on a club I was a part of mm -hmm. and so she pulled me aside and was like what's the deal I know you didn't write this paper mm -hmm. um and I just broke down and I was just like I just I can't do this anymore and I was mm -hmm. sobbing to her and I like to think that I had this air of all put together and I and it, it that definitely that facade fell in a second and so I was sent to the counselor's office and I had, they had to call my parents. And I remember coming home and my parents finding out that I was so depressed and just having just miserable. And they were like, why wouldn't you say anything? And I was like, I felt bad. Mm. I, I was like, I didn't want you to think it was your fault. Yeah. And and my mom and I just ended up crying together because mm -hmm. she's like, I don't want you to feel that way. And I was like, but I, I just but do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it ended up being like a huge turning point for me. Like I started going to therapy afterwards. It was probably for the best that that <laughs> whole experience came to fruition, but, um, it was a, a moment for me and my, my parents to have this moment of like, me being honest with them being like, I was embarrassed to tell you I was scared that you would hate me mm. if I told you that I was depressed mm. because I wasn't this perfect kid right. and jokes on me. They already knew that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really, I feel like that experience happens a lot. Yeah. Across the board, yeah. whether it's, whether it's depression or an eating disorder or, you know, it can be so many different things, yeah. but I, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there is such an expectation of, you know, as a, a young person, like 
what your responsibility is and what you have to have together. <laughs> like, especially, you know, especially now, like younger and younger and younger kids are expected to have all this responsibility and be really put together and, and, you know, do 10,000 different things perfectly. Yeah. You know, and I think, and I think that a huge part of that is influenced by the way that our society looks at people's bodies because at the root of it, I mean, it's like so much of who you are is, is put out in your appearance in your body right and there's so much judgment about our appearances and I think this is why it doesn't matter what size you actually are but these these pressures are there and I think that you know that especially like what you've already talked about on, on you know today with like some of the things that that people said while you were growing up and and you know what what the media was saying as you were growing up and and you know it's toned down somewhat now but not really but not i mean that the the stereotype of like the you know clumsy goofy lazy always eating fat friend and they're right. always the comedic like is such a big stereotype which stems from people you know you know you 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 laughed at the kids that you know were were fat and then they were eating and but when meanwhile they're just eating like right at the very core of it they're just doing what everyone else was doing but, right but it was funny because they were fat yeah right yeah and i really appreciate your saying that it is harder for a child to tell the parent because you are expected especially an only child. I don't know if you were an only child either. Nope. <laughs> no, you had a few uh, sibs. Yes. Yeah, but I was the youngest. So that young child, okay. the younger child uh, stereotype definitely fit me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about how sometimes I was the last to know mm. that she could tell her brother mm-hmm. a lot sooner. And she kind of hinted at at how they managed to eat so much candy, but I never really heard the whole truth of it until she read that article. Maybe she didn't know it. Yeah. Um, but so that's um, that's how I found out. And it is very difficult for kids to tell their parents, you know, yeah, uh, something that's significant. It it's is really fascinating and. and- and important, I think, to point out that you are someone who, um, you know, didn't necessarily put this expectation of what the perfect body should be and how you wanted your children to look, and it still happens. And I just think that's so, it's important to just really point out that, like, it can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think in, in my mom's case, you know, it was really coming from her dad. Yeah. And, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll get my mom on the show one of these days and she can actually talk about it herself. But yeah. I think um, it, it always comes from somewhere, yeah. you know, and, and I think generationally there have been different expectations, you yes. know, of, of like what you are supposed to be, especially as a woman. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly, exactly. 
And after years of the women's movement, things have moved a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. we have women lawyers and doctors and, uh, you know, that were never heard of when I was growing up. But on the other hand, there are still some ways in which things have not changed, like about how a woman looks. Mm -hmm. We complement each other on our clothes. That's the first thing. And I noticed I was starting to do that with my younger granddaughter mm. who doesn't, you know, who'd rather wear boys clothes anyway. And, <laughs> you know, the point was I, I was, I was immediately saying, oh, your hair looks cute or you're, you know. Mm -hmm. Right, all right. the things that people say to girls, you know. That's right, that's what you say to a girl. Yeah. You comment on her appearance. Right. And um, I don't think it's not her brain. Okay. I'm sorry, yeah. what? I was gonna say, cause you know, of course there can't be anything else positive about her. Right. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> all she has is her appearance. And I mean, that's, that's what the, the root of it is, is it's like, you know, we we are trained to believe that all a woman is is her appearance right. and what she can give to a man <laughs> or to her kids a good right. mother thing my mother right. really tried on that one she was good but <laughs> too much so yeah but that's another story <laughs> yeah <laughs> um do you want to do this next one yeah we'll move on to the next question okay. um was there ever a clothing style or trend that you felt you couldn't participate in um, because of your insecurities about your own body. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say bikinis. Everybody was wearing bikinis. And I lived in LA at the time and everybody was at the beach. And I had, I felt I had to stop wearing bikinis and I had to wear full piece bathing suits. Yeah, do you, do you wanna talk a little bit more about like why you felt that way or like sure yeah sure well <laughs> big diet time was always before the summer mm -hmm. yeah the magazines and everything we didn't even talk about the diet industry but <laughs> that is a lot to blame for a lot of all this fat stuff around right. especially around women but the thing was you know, it's a good idea to lose a few pounds so you can get into a bikini. Mm. Yeah. And um, I tried, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. I really enjoy food and I, and I did binge when I was in high school too, mm. but I didn't do the purging. Right. But um, not a lot. Yeah, I did a, a lot. Yeah. I didn't have lots of cookies or whatever. Well, right. <laughs> Who doesn't love lots of cookies, right? Yeah. But I, I think it's, I mean, that still exists today that like, you know, winter, it, what is it? The uh, winter, summer bodies are built in the winter. And, yeah. you know, um, oh. I remember I had when I, I must've been like in middle school or like a freshman in high school, I had a bikini Bible <laughs> where I like what I, I got a notebook and I cut out all these pictures of, of bikinis and <laughs> printed out all these cute bikinis that I wanted to be able to wear or buy. And I would food journal. I would like write down everything I was eating. So, and like my, you know, my exercise and my calorie intake so that I could wear a bikini because I didn't feel comfortable wearing a bikini either, you know, because, because I did have a tummy and I felt really insecure about that. 
you know? Yeah, me too. It was the tummy and thighs happened because the bottoms were also mm-hmm. a problem. Right. And bikinis. Yeah. But I have a picture in my mind that my friend took. It was later on. It was after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was living in L.A. then. and was at, We were at the beach. And I was wearing a bikini, but I insisted on her taking the back of me. Because mm-hmm. I thought the back of me looked really cute in the bikini. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, I was ashamed to take a full front you know, picture. right? Yeah, yeah. So I, have to say it's... I talked a little bit in our in our first episode about how a huge a, the first time that I remember being self conscious about my body was at a pool mm-hmm. and like just buying swimsuits in general. And the the moment that I want to say I don't think it was my breakthrough, but it was a huge milestone in my own like body acceptance journey was posting a picture of me in a bikini like full like full frontal like not hiding anything Mm -hmm. and I was terrified and I but I was one of those things where I was like no one I had to tell myself like no one cares and um it was a huge moment for me and it was only like three years ago at this point Mm -hmm. um it was like right after college. And so I think that, you know, that is something that I know for a fact that so many of of my close friends still, you know, don't want to do because they're not there yet. And I think it makes like, they'll exactly, they'll do the behind the shoulder, you know, from the back Mm -hmm. or like, you know, the group shot where they can hide a little bit. And right. You know, there's ways that we've maneuvered it, but I think that that's, it's so interesting that that just continues to reign true is that um, that is always going to be the, the scary, sensitive thing. Well, and, and now it's really interesting, too, because I, I still struggle with bathing suits, not so much because I'm afraid of showing my, you know, showing off my tummy or like showing my belly button. But it's it's more that because I have such big boobs, I feel like I can't I like can't. I literally cannot wear a triangle bikini because I will fall out of it, you know? And like, there are so many trends that I feel like I can't partake in because I don't have a a stereotypical body type or I don't have the body type that the clothing was designed for in the first place. And so I'm not even allowed to partake in that, that trend because it wasn't made for me. You know, and I feel like there are so many people that feel that way. And especially with fast fashion being what it is, like, you know, there are so many things that, that like, you just can't, I don't know. I just feel like you can't wear. And, and, you know, you and I, Nana have even like gone shopping before a lot. And there've been times when you've like, wanted to try things on and been like, well, you know, I, I don't fit into the clothes at this store, (laughs) which is so messed up. But that was something I think I was such a, I was so aware of from such a young age because you and I have been talking about it for so long. Right. That's true. And when plus sizes came in, I I only shop now from catalogs and, and plus sizes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and and it works. 
Yeah, makes it easier for sure. And I think that, you know, the the fashion industry is is just now sort of starting to make plus size more mainstream, which is great. But I still, Chrissy and I were talking about this just the other day. I feel like they don't, so many companies don't actually design clothing for plus size women or, or plus size men. They design the clothes for, you know, like, smaller sized bodies and make them big. and then make them big for the plus, you know for the plus size bodies and that to me isn't designing for plus size no that's not and and that's it's like okay that's great that you have a plus size line but it's not actually designed for somebody living in a larger body that's right um and i think it's it's also yes and i think that there's definitely an increase of plus size accessibility in fashion but I think that just from the industry that you and I work in Sierra I can it just seems as though that mentality of like I'll just shop online I'll just shop via catalog is safer and easier because a you're not going into a store and getting disappointed you're not going to the store and you're going to be faced with you know, snide comments or remarks or unhelpful associates, which does happen all the time. All the time. People assume like, you can't shop here. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's, it's more comfortable. It's like, you know what, the worst thing that happens is I have to return it, but at least I'm not, you know, facing judgment from the public. Right. And that is something that I'm just so like mind boggled about when, when people, you know, will talk to me about like, Oh my God, did you see that? this company has a new plus size line. And I'm like, yeah, but how are they doing it? Like, yeah. Show me receipts. Like how good are they doing it? Are they just saying that they have it? Or are they actually, you know, marketing or catering to their plus size customer as well, or honestly, hopefully better because they, you know, have been a oppressed customer. Yeah. Um, and I have yet to see one that has, at least in, you know, most generic brands that you would be familiar with haven't seen it yet yeah agreed yeah that is so true but now with the shut-in and everything it's yeah. uh very convenient to be shopping you're right I used to enjoy it especially with Sierra shopping that is yeah and you know we just used to have a blast and then go somewhere and eat yeah, yeah. usually Chinese uh, food. That's our favorite. <laughs> what was it? Chinese food. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, you know, we were celebrating our bodies in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel I remember, like yeah, I feel like that's something that I have learned from you from such an early age. I think you've been such a great inspiration to me as somebody, you know, who who is living in a bigger body to be embracing who you are and loving who you are. And and that painted such a great example. I think for me growing up is, you know, even though, even though I did have examples of people who didn't love their bodies, I I, I had a great example of somebody who did. And I think that that, well, it's true. (laughs) But I think it's so, it's so meaningful to me now as, as an adult, because I had that example. But yeah, let's let's end this on a little bit of a positive note here. <laughs> okay. And um, we want to ask you, what are three things that you love about your body? Okay. <clears throat> well, 
you're asking somebody who's old. <laughs> they're selling you. And I found that they're all on my face, the things that I love about my body. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, maybe other things. But anyway, <laughs> my eyes, they're kind of a bluish green or a greenish blue and hazel. It's They're very nice. I think. <laughs> <laughs> my hair. I mean, the fact that it's not red anymore is a drag, but on the other <laughs> hand, it still curls. Yes, you're great. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is that I didn't ever mention, but my dimples. Yes, you have great dimples. That's so <laughs> yes. true. I have a dimple and oh it my is. Life. Yeah, oh, you have one here. <laughs> right here. Oh, right. very nice. Yeah. Right. Those are fabulous. So those are the three things. I love it. Currently. All righty. Well, you. thank you so much for being on the show. And I, um, I just want to remind everybody listening to yep. like, share, follow, rate, subscribe, all of those things. Help us out. Get this out there. And remember, every shade of gray is beautiful. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.